Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you, as always. So glad to be with you for another time that you and I can spend looking at the Gospels and learning more about Jesus. And you know what, my friends? As you and I learn more about Jesus, it's my prayer that we would fall more in love with Him. And as we do, that we would love each other even more. So I just want you to know that Man, we spend time in prayer as we prep for these podcasts, as we put the study notes together. We want to make these things available for you. So they're available on standstrongministries.org. I want to thank many of you guys for listening on SoundCloud, for checking us out on iTunes. And I also want to mention that if, in fact, you are in a small group or you're about to start one or you're considering material to use, maybe with family devotions or something at your church, Man, Stand Strong in the Word is a great opportunity for you to take these podcasts, to take the notes that go with every single podcast, and to use them, to download them, to send them to your friends so they can listen, they can download the study notes, they can go through them, and they can get their Bible out and just have a great time exploring God's Word. So we want to make these things available for you guys, so take advantage of that. So thank you guys for your supports. Thank you guys for your prayers. I always look forward to my time in studio to open God's Word and to look as we're going through a chronological teaching. It's just so awesome because it it just puts things into perspective. And so today now, it's going to be a little different in this podcast because we're going to be looking at three different passages in the synoptics for Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so instead of me just picking a particular passage and reading through it and then just highlighting certain things that I want to make comment on, I'm going to just go through all three in bits and pieces. And as I'm reading through them in the order in which they took place and giving us more insight by bringing in a portion of Matthew and then sharing a little bit about Mark and this is what Luke says and then back to Matthew. It may be a little bit confusing, but if you've been following along for quite some time here on the Stand Strong podcast, you do know that as we're going through a chronological reading, I oftentimes will say, and then Matthew says this and then Mark says this to give you guys greater insight. So you're probably catching on a little bit more, so it's probably not as confusing to some of you guys, but if you're fairly new, it may be a little bit confusing. But as I mentioned before, Always go to our website, standstrongministries.org. Click on the podcast number that we're that you're that you're listening to, and there are the notes to help you follow along. But if you're in your car, if you're not in front of a computer, if you don't have your Bible handy, just listen to the podcast and do your best, okay? So I just want to give you a heads up because even sometimes for me, it's kind of hard when I'm jumping around a lot of the time. So I try to do my best. So with that being said, let me just kind of give you just a quick little thing about what has just recently occurred in the last podcast or in the context of where we've been reading in scripture to where we're going to be at. So remember, Jesus has crossed the Sea of Galilee and he went over to the countryside of the Gerasians. And if you remember, on their way, to Gerasians, Jesus calmed the storm. Remember, the disciples thought they were going to die, and Jesus was asleep, and he woke up, and he calmed the storm. They stood in awe. Well, then they get to shore after hours of, of that on the boat, right, fearing their lives. They were approached by two men that were possessed by a legion of demons, 
and Jesus casts out the demons. He heals these people. He, the, the, the demons go into the pigs, if you remember, remember Decapolis. So now he heads to Capernaum, we're told in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. And he, he's approached by a wealthy man named Jairus, whose daughter is dying. But on the way to the home, a poor woman who was suffering from a severe illness touches his garment and she's radically and instantly healed. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So the title is Two Desperate Encounters that we're going to be looking at. So let me just jump right into it and give you some commentary and some backdrop to what is happening between Jairus and this woman who has this severe illness. So in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, we're told, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. So the first thing I want to mention is that Jesus returns here to Capernaum. Now, this was something that he often did. Remember, this was more of his homeland. This is where people like Peter lived. So they would oftentimes, in the midst of their ministry, they would go back to Capernaum to rest. And then in Luke 8, 40, we're told that the crowd welcomed him for they were waiting for him. So remember, news got across from where he was coming from in the Gerasians that he would be returning back to Capernaum. And then Matthew 9, verse 18 says, while Jesus was saying these things to them, so he was talking to them, to these crowds of people, we don't know what exactly he was saying, but as he was speaking to this crowd, we're told that a ruler came to him. And in Mark 5, verse 22 says, a ruler from the synagogue, his name was Jairus. And then Luke 8, 42 says, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age. And then back to Matthew 9, 18, and seeing him, meaning Jairus sees Jesus, he falls at his feet and he came in and he knelt before him. And then Mark 5, 22 says, and he implored Jesus earnestly saying in Matthew 9, my daughter has died. She has just died but come and lay your hand on her and she will, in Mark 5, 23, be made well or she will live, it says. So here we're told, my friends, that Jairus, he's a wealthy board member. He's like a donor of the synagogue in the region of Jesus's hometown. So Jairus's job probably in Jesus's hometown was he was probably the guy who arranged the different services that would take place in the synagogue. So more than likely, Jesus knew Jairus and Jairus knew Jesus. Now, many leaders in Jesus' hometown rejected him. So for Jairus to come to Jesus when all the people knew that Jesus was going to be coming back to Capernaum and for him to fall at Jesus' feet, to kneel, to beg him for help was something uh, extraordinary. For example, for people to do this type of gesture, you and I know if you were if you and I were to do it today is is a gesture that we as Americans we don't do, right? But even more so back then, because you see, the Jews saw this when you bow before someone. This was an act of worship. It was it was a kind of idolatry. So it's false worship. Falling at people's feet, now to the Persians was an act of honor to a particular ruler, but to the Jews it wasn't. But here you see a local leader who bows before Jesus, and he's coming to him because his only daughter, his only heir, is dying. Now, as I mentioned before, Matthew 9, 18, it says, my daughter has just died. So you think, is this a contradiction? Because in one passage, it says that my daughter's dying, but in this passage, it says that my daughter has just died. Now, let me put it, let me just, I'll answer that by putting it in perspective this way, according to what the Greek is setting up here. When Jairus approaches Jesus, his daughter, yes, is on the verge of death, but the way in which he says it, 
It's depicting a future definite event that his daughter will die if Jesus doesn't come and heal her. That's what that means in the Greek in Matthew's account. So it's not a contradiction. Now, here's what's fascinating. Although Jesus was rejected by these religious individuals, and he himself rejected the religious institution of the day that Jairus was a part of, one thing that you see about Jesus is that he never rejected the individual, though. And so as Jairus is searching Jesus out, Jesus doesn't push him aside. He receives this complaint that Jairus has. And now we're told in Matthew 9, verse 19, and Jesus rose and he followed Jairus with his disciples. And Mark 5, verse 24 says, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And then Luke 8, 42 says, people pressed around him. So the crowd was becoming so intense they were pressing against Jesus to the point of choking him. Literally in the Greek, this pressing around him is like weeds choking grain. So I, I point that out to you because of what's about to happen. So in Luke 8, 42 says, and then there was a woman. And Matthew 9, 20 says, who had suffered, and then back to Luke 8, 42, from a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. And then in Mark 5, verse 26 says, it was no better, but rather she grew worse. So a couple of things here. One is you see this phrase, suffered from a discharge of blood or subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, according to Leviticus 15, under Jewish law, vaginal bleeding made a woman unclean. So because of intercourse, uh, you know, was forbidden in this condition, and because of the Jewish Pharisaic tradition commonly encouraged divorce if a couple of, child, uh, of a childbearing age could not produce an offspring, her condition probably had either prevented this woman from getting married or had ended whatever marriage maybe that she was in. So you know, this, this situation that this woman found herself in was, was not good, not just the pain she probably was undergoing, um, but the fact that she was a, an outcast. Now, notice we were told that she spent all of her living on physicians. Now, it's interesting to note that back then there was a lot of different folk tradition and magic that was used to, on patients to cast off different spells or illnesses that they had and hopes, you know, being treated, or there was many different doctors who had different medicinal purposes for this or for that. So you can imagine this woman was, was trying probably everything to heal her of this condition and no longer be considered to be unclean. Now we're told in Mark chapter 5 verse 27 that she had heard the reports about Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and said, if I touch even his garments, Matthew 9 20 says, touch the fringe of his garment, I will be made well. Now this concept here, of touching the fringe of his garment. This is what's amazing about this situation. Remember the crowd that is that is pushing against Jesus and they're choking the disciples and Jesus to get through and Jairus is trying to lead the way. Think about how frustrating that is when you and I are like, you know, people are driving slow, you know, on the road and you want to get by them. Think about how Jairus was feeling about this situation or the disciples or Jesus. And this woman hears about Jesus and she's like, if I could just get through these this mob of people, and even just touch his garment. Now remember, this woman, she's unclean, so she knew that she couldn't publicly speak to Jesus or even touch him publicly, right? She didn't want to defile Jesus, and she, she just wanted to touch him a little bit without making any commotion or getting any, any sort of attention. 
So one is you see a respect that this woman had, and number two, you see great faith that she had. So then we're told in Mark 5, 29, and immediately when she reached out and she touched Jesus, immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Mark 5, 30 says, and Jesus perceiving in himself that power had come out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Now, Jesus didn't ask this question because he was naive. He asked the question because he wanted the woman to reveal herself in the midst of the crowd. If she had faith enough to touch him privately, he wanted her to publicly exercise that faith in front of people. In Mark 5, verse 31, we're told, And the disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? Luke 8, 45 puts it this way. When all people denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. See, this speaks to Jesus's perfect and personal knowledge of his children. He knows everyone and he knows every need, my friends. Isn't that amazing? So even in the midst of this crowd, as he was on his way to raise Jairus's daughter from the dead, this woman touches him without asking him, and he knew about it. In Luke 8, 46, but Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Mark 5, 32 says, and he looked around to see who had done it. And then Luke 8, 47 says, and when the woman, and then back to Mark 5, 33, knowing what had happened to her, and then back to Luke 8, 47, saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him declared, in Mark 5:33 or told him the whole truth and then back to Luke 8:47 in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed you see my friends this woman when she came with faith in the midst of this crowd and she touched Jesus's garments because of the faith that she had she was instantly healed and the healing power from Jesus didn't cost her anything Remember all the money she had spent, all of her well-being, all of the money that she owned, she was trying to find a cure. And as a response to the healing power of Jesus in her life, she couldn't help but worship and speak the whole truth in the presence of Jesus. And then in Matthew 9, 21, says, Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Mark 5, 34, go in peace and be healed of your disease. And then Matthew 9.22 says, and instantly the woman was made well. So she was not just healed physically from her disease. She took heart in who Jesus Christ is. And he said, your faith has made you well. She was healed spiritually as well. That's where she was made well, not just physically, but spiritually. And then in Mark 5.35, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Remember Jairus as he's trying to get through the crowd to get to his daughter? Think about the anticipation, the desperation he was going through. But we don't see anything in the Synoptic Gospels of Jairus being bothered by this woman, being bothered by this interruption. Although his daughter was dying, Jairus still allowed Jesus to do what he does. He still allowed him to meet the needs of other people. You know, this shows the care and the patience and the faith of Jairus in the midst of great suffering. I think that's a great valuable lesson that you and I can take away in this instance here before we see Jesus entering the house to raise his daughter from the dead. Then we're told in Mark 5, 36, but overhearing what they said, 
Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, and then in Luke 8, 50 says, do not fear, only believe and she will be well. So you can imagine the faith booster that Jairus had just received uh, hearing from the words of Jesus. On one side, he heard the words of the ruler of his house saying to him what he knew would happen if Jesus didn't get there, your daughter has died. But then at the same time, by hearing the most fearful words that any parent does not ever want to hear, Jesus says, do not be afraid, only believe Jairus and she will be well. You know, the, the, the point here, my friends, that is so powerful is remember Jairus came in all humility to begin with. And yet now he's told even worse news than what he had when he left the house. And Jesus reminds him, don't be afraid. That faith, Jairus, that you had coming to me, keep that faith. And you know what? She'll be made well. And not only that, but remember, Jairus and the disciples and the crowds of people that were waiting for Jesus when he came back from uh, Decapolis to Capernaum, they got to witness this woman who was bleeding all over and then she's instantly healed. So that, that, that in itself is a great booster for Jairus. And then we're told in Mark 5, 37, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So now this is one of the first occurrences where Jesus is utilizing his inner circle of disciples to witness something extraordinary by raising a girl from the dead. So then in Matthew 9, 23 and 24, it says, And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, and Mark 5, 38, 39 says, People weeping and they're wailing loudly. And he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? And then back to Matthew 9, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. In Luke 8, 53, it literally says, They knew that she was dead, therefore they laughed at him. So remember, the Jewish custom was to perform elaborate mourning, right? With They would gather these musicians, these professional mourners, to make a spectacle, not in a bad way, but in a good way, to mourn the loss of, of, of a loved one. Now, this phrase here that they laughed at him, what these 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 professional mourners were doing is 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 they were literally repeatedly scorning Jesus for believing that she wasn't dead because they they thought he was mocking them. But of course, they didn't know what Jesus knew. Yes, she was indeed dead, and yes, that's why the the family had called these professional mourners. So they weren't understanding what Jesus was saying. So they're they're mocking him back, laughing at him. And then in Mark 5, verse 40, we're told, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And then Luke 8, 51 tells us he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. So Jesus removes these naysayers, right? He removes the fakeness and he opens up this opportunity to do a miracle in front of the parents and in front of the disciples. So that they can believe. Now remember, they Jairus had believed, but now he's going to witness this. And so in Mark 5, verse 41, Jesus took the hand of the child and he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. Mark 5, verse 42 says, and immediately, and then Luke 8, 55, her spirit returned and she got up at once. And then back to Mark 5 and began walking for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. So here we see a resurrection story. Now remember, Jesus had done this previously to the son who had died when he was in nine. 
And the mother was there mourning her only son, and Jesus raised him from the dead. So now Jesus raises a young girl from the dead. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You and I believe that he's the son of God. You and I know that Jesus speaks the power over death and that death has no power over Jesus, right? We see this girl who was dead, who's now made alive. Now this phrase, Talitha Kumi, is not only a form of Aramaic, but it's also a form of Syro-Chaldaic. So it was an ancient term that Jesus was using, so that's pretty fascinating. But as you, as you see this instance of Jesus telling this little girl to arise, it reminds me of the psalmist in Psalm 107, 19 through 22 says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. So when Mark records that they were overcome with amazement, you can imagine that they were just giving songs of joy and praise Later on, Paul would write in Romans 4, verse 17, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. See, that's the power of Jesus. Only Jesus has the power to raise a person from the dead, just like he did in this instance. So Jairus came to Jesus in faith, and he gets to see what his faith can do when you place it in Jesus Christ. So my friends, don't lose hope. Continue to put your faith in Jesus Christ. We're told in Mark 5, verse 43, and after the healing, Jesus strictly charged them that no one should know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat. Now, as I wrap up this podcast and we look at these two desperate encounters between Jairus, whose daughter was dying, and then he hears that she does die, and this woman who spent all of her belongings to be healed, and she hears about Jesus, and she reaches out, and she touches his garment, and he's, and she's healed. At this stage now, when Jesus tells them, you know, don't go out there and tell, remember, the crowd of people followed them to the house. We don't know why Jesus told them not to say anything about this resurrection. Perhaps because Jesus was concerned about the backlash that Jairus or himself might have from the religious leaders, or maybe the public questioning the family would have to be subjected to, or the type of attraction that would come as a result from the crowds and the different wrong motives that this would have on Jairus as well as on Jesus. I don't know the answer, but what we're told in Matthew 9, 26, the report does nonetheless get out into all the district. So we know that extraordinary stories like this, they're not uh, kept in secret for long. But the bottom line, my friend, is this. I want to leave you with um, as I wrap up this podcast, just as I was reading through this right now. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much. So whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're going through in your marriage perhaps or in a relationship or at work, just know, like Jairus, that you can go to Jesus anytime and he's going to listen to your request. But we got to come to him in submission like Jairus did. And we got to show this faith like this woman. She showed respect, but she just felt like, you know what? Jesus is busy. I don't want to intrude with what he's doing with this religious leader. I, you know, I, I guarantee the reports are going around about why they were following Jesus because Jairus came and his daughter's dying. So people were anticipating to see what was going to take place and probably felt bad for Jairus. So this woman didn't want to intrude in the parade, if you will. So she just felt like, if I could just touch a little bit of Jesus, I know I'll be healed. Isn't that amazing faith? And so I leave you with this question, my friends. What kind of faith do you have? 
Do you have faith like Jairus? Do you have faith like this woman who was severely bleeding, who was desperate for healing? I want you to know that wherever you stand, whatever you're going through right now, Jesus loves you and he has a plan for your life. And just cry out to him right now for a miracle. My friends, thank you for tuning in. I love you and I'll see you on the next podcast. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the word of God.